that we are found wanting to go off. Because they start to be infected, they go to hospitals, they can't breathe, all those issues. Remember, they are older. Mm. So if you look at those issues, these are the issues that for us are worried. But the very advantage that we have, we're able when we have the Dorandinza flocking to open the places that we have renovated ourselves in Dorandinza again. Dorandinza had a dilapidated site which we renovated, and that's the site that's relieving the flocking into Dorandinza. We've got now an opened new area in Livingston, which then was made for an emergency area for 2010. This is the area that now we've put in beds and we've actually changed into a ward for 73 beds. All our beds, remember, they are originated and we still have in those areas our own ventilators. This issue of saying the Eastern Cape hospitals are full and flocking, it's really not true in terms of public. It may be true and what is it that we're seeing is it's private. Not in public. In public, an example here in PE, we've got Rangenza, we've got Limboleni, we've got Dawa VW Field Hospital, we've got Livingston. In Livingston, we've got an IC of 38 beds, and out of that, we're hardly 50% occupation. So, yes, we have our first health challenges, but we are not swamped. Our challenge is in getting to our communities to really, really observe regulations. But what are you going to do to win over the minds of the people of the province, especially in those areas where you are continuing to see people disregard the preventative measures and your social distancing, despite the increase in the COVID-19 pandemic? We have to take a stand and be unpopular, I must say, that we have to get into shibins when we find them not observing regulations in terms of numbers, having people, patrons, not having masks, we take a decision to close them. We're working with municipalities, we're working with uh, safety organs and organs which is staff and the, the, the army, and we're working with environmental health and municipality. So we are multi-pronged in terms of the approach. So if we are able to make a difference, I mean an example with one, I do want to believe others will follow. The fact that we're not closing them down, the fact that we're not doing anything, it then suggests that maybe we are laser fair. We are not. Just that we thought talking to our people might make them understand and change. They're not changing. Do you think that um, the the Eastern Cape and several parts of the province need a differentiated approach to the COVID-19 pandemic. So uh, do you think it would be fair to look at the possibility of having harsher restrictions in areas such as Port Elizabeth right now? If it was to be my choice, I would propagate for that. If it was my choice. If it was my choice, I would apply if we were to be granted. However, we still have to balance issues that National is making a, I mean, a, a proclamation on. Issues of economy, equally issues of health, which is worrisome to us. So we don't have a choice to follow the national regulation. Maybe at a point we, we might see the difference. But is this a conversation that you have brought up, though? Yes, we have, as the Eastern case, in the sense that what I've noticed is that it was impossible to police the issue of the curfew. 
we have now actually took it to the national minister to say, as the Eastern Cape, we are proposing that there's differentiated time in terms of closure of caverns and the start and the beginning of casting periods. Mm-hmm. Remember, the regulations are saying tablets must go the 12. However, case starts at 12. So it's impossible to police those people because once you see them in the streets, they tell you are still going home. The tavern is just closed. So we propose that let's move time for taverns to close at 10 so that you can have the two hours to actually effect in the curfew. The curfew. So those are some of the issues that we see as that could help us as the problem. And exactly in the areas where there's lawlessness in terms of spreader events. Eastern Cape Health MEC, Cindy Swagomba, let me thank you for your time on the talking point today. Yeah. Kathy Muslasana talking, hey, the Eastern Cape, worry, 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 worry. Hey, it's giving us sleepless nights, but hey, let's do the right things as we bring you. You're listening to the best of SAFM, giving you a snapshot on what you missed. And another snapshot of how to best take care of yourself as you navigate this space called life and its interesting challenges. A pleasure and a privilege. Ambassador at Interpol. They know him. I think uh, he must love that song by Slyla Sulota. Brandy. Brandy. Hey, Bramanza, and the heavyweight champion listeners, how are you doing this morning? We are well, say, how about you? I'm ready to float like a butterfly and sing like a bee in memory of uh, those who have lost their lives to the victims of crime and in remembrance of one of our heroes. We need to start modeling um, our communities from the languages as well as young people must know of people like Muhammad Ali that you can be um, born in a poverty environment or a poverty infested or a poverty designed background but you can still rise to be the greatest to be the heavyweight champion of the world like the heavyweight champion listeners of this wonderful heavyweight champion show sound awake Thursday, crime and prevention on Sound Awake. Absolutely, Brian. Hey, Brian. Um, many a times, um, we need to be able to understand what causes crimes on, on many levels. Sometimes, uh, you know, somebody sent me a video footage of somebody getting robbed at an ATM. And when you look at it, it's, it's you know, it, it happened because it, look, it looks like it was an opportunistic crime. The person was was attacked because at some point they were not very aware of their surroundings and they forgot to do the basics. Do not accept help from a stranger when you go to an ATM. Things have changed. My grandmother, when I was growing up, uh, Brahmanda, used to say, when you grow up, you must help others and you must accept help from people when you do not know of a thing or two. But Things have changed and conditions and circumstances, let alone the nature of the human being that we have. Yes, never accept help from a stranger, especially at the ATM, uh, Manja. Uh, Mindros, um, I do not think having an almost fallen victim to um, ATM crimes, especially early in the morning. You remember my story in Clegstop. 
around same time in the morning when I was from an international um, TV show interview and I got into Shell Garage. Um, vigilance becomes key and critical, Abuti Mandla. Vigilance. When you put in that key, when you slot that key into um, uh, the ATM, please take super care of the environment or be super vigilant of the environment around the ATM, the people standing behind you, uh, the tall guy or the tall lady behind you, if you are a short guy like me, take extra care that you do not only focus on the keyboard uh, of the ATM. Key in your pin code and look around and ensure that no one gets closer. If someone can pull a gun at an ATM, Bramanza, and disregarding the cameras that are there, it means that particular person has studied one, uh, that the people at the ATM would be intimidated by Ganush's effect. Two, they would have studied the angle of the cameras. And three, they would be out of the angle of the camera and they would know that the camera there as a security tool um, is going to be useless in terms of identifying them. So be careful once again when you are at an ATM. Hashtag Especially isolated ATM. Hashtag be vigilant. Hashtag be forever vigilant in your car and everywhere ATMs because um, ATM carelessness for the want of a better word, Abutimanza. ATM recklessness is one of the major causes of crime, especially um, from this time of the year towards the 15th of December when we go uh, back to our respective um, homes outside of the Gauteng province. We're carrying stacks and stacks of money on us, having yet withdrawn that from the ATM and people having yet seen people working with criminals, uh, some criminal employee inside the bank would then indicate that you have an X withdrawn an X amount of money. You have 19,500 that you have withdrawn um, with you and you become an easy target. Uh, speaking of that, and Stockfell times, we get into that point where scammers are going to be there. People know who belongs to which stock fell and their modus operandi. What can you say around that in terms of trying to prevent uh, uh, reading about another stock fell that has lost money and, uh, you know, some, you know, homes uh, going to fail to, you know, enjoy the fruits of investment? Those members of uh, stock fell A or money savings club B, you have a responsibility to begin to use technology to your advantage. If you are supposed to share money, you have what you call electronic funds transfers. All of you um, must get their fair share from um, the savings and the interest that came as an uh, that 12 months or as a fruit uh, of that 12 months, 12 months investment or or 24 months investment. Please kindly. Uh, if I'm to command, no one of you uh, must uh, go and withdraw money and bring it to a house in uh, in Everton, uh, Bramanza, where 250000 was collected from the bank 
by members, a certain number of members of a stock credit club. They went into the house, and just when they were about to share the money, um, six guys with AK-47s came in there. We didn't expect them, or the people did not expect them. They were made to sleep on the floor, and uh, that 250,000 developed legs and went into the pockets of the bed. Uh, of the bad guys. And by then, uh, this is 2010, 2011, 2012. By then, Gauteng was the capital throughout the whole country of what the crimes, a crime called bank followings, the, uh, meaning that the criminals would follow you from the bank right into your home or right into the place where you're going to share that money. Hey, that's rough. Brandy, COVID times. All of us are wearing masks, some beautiful, some uh, hey, looking like people just took socks and just created masks. Now, this makes it difficult to identify those who don't have good intentions. Now, how, how, do, how do we navigate this space from a, a police point of view and a citizen's point of view? Let me say, Brahmanza, from a security point of view, if I want to be secure, what do I do? Um, this is where social distancing is not only for that for the transmission of the of the virus from a particular person A to particular person B. This is where social distancing plays a role in security awareness. If you do not know this particular person and he encroaches or he crosses the two-meter border or the one-meter border, uh, depending on the weapon that he has, and it becomes your responsibility to increase the distance. When he closes in, you move out. The long and short is ensure that the behavior, Brahmanza, the behavior of an individual will tell you um, of what the individual is thinking. There's a great man who says, if you want to know what's in a person's um, heart, you look at their behavior. If you want to know what's in a person's mind, you listen to the words, the language that they use. So the long and short, the behavior of the individual is a possible indicator or a potential indicator of um, your, 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 your red, green, and, and, and amber light. You, based on the behavior of that individual, from a policing point of view, it's very difficult for the police to can identify a, 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 a potential uh, offender because of the masks. But the long and short is, Police have a responsibility to ensure that wherever they are, uh, wherever they address communities or wherever they patrol, they enforce the COVID regulations at distancing um, uh, from a distance, a distancing point of view. I have seen an incident where um, people, I think it was at the, at the Westgate Mall, where people were wearing masks. They went into the jewelry shop the people inside the jewelry shop had no reason to suspect that they were about to be robbed of their valuables. The gentleman, uh, the gentleman in a mask, walked in, followed by another gentleman with a mask, jumped over the, pulled the firearm, jumped over the counter, pointed uh, the firearm at the uh, service providers in there, cleaned, cleaned that uh, jewelry shop, put the the satanic loot into a, a, a carry bag, um, left the jewelry shop, disappeared into 
um, the mill, the hustle and bustle of the mall, the people walking in there, all the people are wearing masks. And I am certain that um, the store owner and the employees could not identify them because of the number of the people and the nature of the period, uh, which was month end from which they were robbed. So the long and short is it is difficult to can police a crime from um, people wearing their masks. Some of them wear their um, uh, camouflage caps and they wear their um, camouflage masks. You don't know the intention. You don't know what this particular person wants to do. You have not um, expected people to commit crime which is very important, Bramanza, in conclusion. Whatever you do, Bramanza, and do um, yourselves as my brothers and your listeners and uh, everyone the, uh, in the studio there, whatever you do, um, you, you better be neurotic. You better be, you better be afraid of everything. When you're afraid of everything, you become super, uh, super vigilant. So the long and short is be hashtag remain super vigilant. Bramanda, from now, when you knock off and when you knock in, when you get into the car, um, keep your torch ready before you get into your car to work. Ensure that you go around the house. You light the, the yard with your powerful torch so that you can be able to see when things have been moved around. It will then help you um, to raise alarms and, 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 and um, raise uh, help um, or assistance from the neighbors should anything go wrong. 13 minutes to 5 on SFM. Uh, we just replayed an interview, uh, Brandy, from uh, the best of SFM with uh, the MEC of Health in the Eastern Cape, who spoke about infections in the Eastern Cape uh, being the, co- the, the cause of them, being uh, people going to taverns where, uh, you know, most of us tend to go. And uh, as we talk about crime, people are trying to make plans to live and survive poverty. And of course, the increasing number of uh, illegal uh, liquor outlets, taverns, sports, and the 24-hour places, and also the proliferation of um, guns, which is a major contributing factor in the murder rate that is so embarrassing for us uh, to to actually admit as well. Um, Please tell us the role of these establishments, uh, the role of these establishments that they play in in, in the causes of crime. Uh, Bramanda, one, um, places that sell alcohol most of the time... um, are generators of evil. Um, easy access uh, at times that are ungodly, meaning at times where people are not supposed to be drinking and they find access to a shabin or a licensed tavern and many of those things lead to people consuming alcohol beyond the limits, beyond their limits. Um, for the want of a better way, when people have had uh, overdosed uh, that substance, uh, liquor, you, you would find that those particular individuals of, or soused or drunk people either become victims of uh, crime or they become perpetrators of crime. You find young men raping because they uh, had taken alcohol and using that as an excuse uh, in a court of law. Or you find this particular woman uh, having had been raped because 
she was moving from Guamamuyangkaza uh, Tavern at 1 a.m. in the morning, uh, going home, which is about three, four kilometers, walking in the middle of uh, the night uh, or the dead of the night alone. Long and short is easy access of alcohol. In fact, alcohol is one of the major generators of crime all over the world because people abuse that substance in the process. They become victims and some of them become perpetrators or the perpetrators of crime uh, wait in ambush um, for the patrons of a, a establishment A and establishment B um, to leave establishment A and uh, going to their homes or going into their cars. Those who would know of clubs in Sentin, there's one club that was closed called Black Door. In my research for a book that we will be launching around uh, January, February, Bramandla, uh, partly stemming from this show, we have been doing research of um, establishments in urban areas, in towns and in townships, just to check on why is it that uh, you would find this type of crime at Chebin A. And, and when you look at places like uh, Black Door, that was closed down, I think, last week or two weeks back. The long and short is you would find that it is... Um, the nature of the times, the nature of the alcohol, the nature of the people, the intention of some of the patrons, because they know that everybody flocks there who has a Rolex, who's driving a smart car or a supercar, and therefore uh, would be loaded with cash in their pockets or carrying hold, their uh, credit card. Yes. Hold that thought for me, my brother. Hold that thought for me. Nine minutes to five. Late Night Conversations. Doctor, you were speaking about the resistance of drugs. What causes drug resistance in general, not only just looking at gonorrhea? There's, there's, there's two mechanisms um, that we see that, that induce resistance in, in infections in general, and the same applies to gonorrhea. So one is where bacteria get exposed to antibiotics, and because of prolonged exposure and, and pressure on the bacteria, it changes. So it changes its genetic makeup, um, and because of that, it's no longer susceptible to that particular antibiotic. Professor Remco Peters is also known as the extraordinary professor in the Department of Medical Microbiology at the University of Pretoria. Late Night Conversations, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. German excellence will be on display this Saturday. RB Leipzig battles to stay in the top half against DSC Arminia Bielefeld, whose mission is to get out of the bottom half. Catch RB Leipzig. Take on DSC Arminia Bielefeld this Saturday, the 28th of November at 4.30pm live on SABC3 and SABC radio stations. Hashtag German excellence meets Mzanti passion. The German Bundesliga. Proudly brought to you by SABC Sport. Sunrise. Hi, I'm Stephen Curtis. Don't forget, SAFM Sunrise, starting your day 6 to 9 every weekday morning. 6 to 9 every weekday morning. SAFM. I conclude that the application for my recusal falls to be dismissed, and it is accordingly. 
dismissed. dismissed. You have become a judge in the dispute that involves yourself. I want to say that we've also been instructed to lodge a complaint about you in that regard to the Judicial Service Commission. SAFM, leading the conversation. Thursday, crime and prevention on Sound Awake. Andy, quickly speak to us about uh, the 16 days of activism and, of course, uh, uh, the fact that we're marking a week dedicated to paying homage to, uh, you know, victims of uh, gender-based violence and uh, COVID-19, particularly, uh, you know, the 16 days of activism. Uh, What can you advise us to do? Women and children deserve our protection. Two, men have got to raise young men to respect themselves. Do not respect anyone else um, if you don't respect yourself. The long and short or an explanation. If I do not know how to love myself, I cannot be expected to love the next person. If I am not and loaded with respect inside myself. There cannot be a respect that leads me that goes to Abuti Manda or Abuti Mdu. If I am not um, a constructive person towards myself, like waking up, going to a gym, I cannot be constructive in my society and my community. This point is critical to me. I was brought up by a grandmother who could not read or write Abuti Manda. Today I'm an ambassador. I look after... 194 countries from a 10-back crime point of view. I have been a leader, a national, provincial, and local leader. So I respect all women, yellow, black, green, short, tall, whatever nature of the color that they are, whatever way and method that they use to carry themselves towards me. It is me who can uh, choose how to respond to anyone who calls me whatever they want to call me. Point number three, um, it is important that law enforcement agencies must, in this country and worldwide, they must have programs like in New York, uh, the New York Police Department. They need to have programs that help young men to achieve their dreams. My young boy, Dumelo, who's seven years old now, um, the guy likes, 100 meter, he's a sprinter in the heart and in the spirit. It becomes a responsibility of Ntate Manza from Sound Awake Show and, and Ntate Mdu, the producer, and the rest of the people for us to join hands to build this individual to achieve his goals so that he can then help women out there, the grandmothers that walk across the street. That's how we are brought up. Carry those plastic bags. Help Ukhunu cross the road, stop the mm. cars and say, here's a very important person. It is our responsibility as men, particularly us in law enforcement, uh, who have a responsibility to protect communities, to begin to focus on the perpetrators of crime. Brandy, uh, gender-based crime. Yes, sir. We've run out of time, but next week we want us. I w- would like to look at money laundering, and also look at clubs and talk about establishments that are used as outlets to wash money. You know the story. So let's talk yeah. about that next week. Brandy, as usual, a pleasure to have you, my brother. Wishing you a fabulous Thursday. It was great to float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. Um, yourself as our champion, Tate Manza, and for the heavyweight champion. Ooh, la.
Aine, Mukwena. Aine. Thank you, Bradley. And Dimashaile, Interpol Ambassador. If you know any 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 places where they wash money or they say they wash money, please uh, send us those stories. Send us those stories. We'll uh, share them with Brandy because obviously his intelligence will be working on that as well. The, the crime and prevention on SFM every Thursday this time. Quickly looking at uh, your temperatures, uh, Pretoria 16 to 27, Johannesburg 14 to 26, Ferenheim 14 to 27, Bombela 18 to 28, Polokwane 17 to 26, Fry Mahikeng 17 to 29, Freiburg 15 to 35, Bloemfontein 10 to 30, Kimberley 13 to 31, Uppington 16 to 33, Cape Town 14 to 21, George 14 to 21, Port Elizabeth 13 to 22, East London 14 to 23, Durban 18 to 26, Richards Bay 19 to 28, uh, Peter Moritzbeck uh, 15 to 27. Uh, Brian uh, Mpumalanga. We've got you, my brother. He enjoyed the music. And also Prudence says uh, the second wave will hit. If the second wave hits Stutterheim, we are in for big trouble because uh, every second person you see there is not wearing a mask. If it's your birthday today, you share a birthday with uh, Charles Schulz, 98, uh, the creator of uh, Snoopy. And Charlie Brown, Upetha Klawa, would have been 86 today, passed on at the age of 76. Actor and director John Machigiza would have been 66 today, passed on at the age of 54. Simon Goli, gay rights activist, would have been 63 today, passed on at the age of 41. Tina Tanner is 41 years old today. Desiree Randall, former racing driver, who is one of only five women to have competed in Formula One, is 67 today. Gavin Lane, footballer, is 56. Uh, DJ Khaled, 45. Natasha Beringfield, 39. Uh, Guy Battery, 37. Luna, 33. Guillaume Apollinaire says, now and then, it is good to pause in a pursuit of happiness and just be happy. Hmm? Now and then, it is good um, to pause in a pursuit for a happiness and just be happy. You can do that. Duman Kobela, Zama Kredi, Brandy Mashaile. Thank you. And thanks to you for tuning in, for getting in touch. Much appreciated. Let's do this on Friday as we kick off the last uh, uh, weekend of uh, November 2020. It's time to hand over to Namsam Zuli with the news at 5 o'clock on the other side of that. Uh, Elvis Presley in the first take essay. Have a fabulous Thursday. God bless. Team, happy Donnerdag. SABC News, independent and impartial. Thank you, Budmandla. In the news at five, the National Assembly Speaker Tandi Mudise has appointed three legal professionals to an independent panel to conduct a preliminary investigation into the fitness of the public protector Busisu M. Kwebani to hold office. Mudise appointed retired Justice Besen Gabinde as chairperson of the panel. The other two members are Advocate Dumisa Nzebeza and uh, Advocate uh, Johan Deval. The panel is as a result of the new rules adopted to deal with the removal of the head of any Chapter 9 institution. The DA brought a motion to Parliament for Mkwebani's fitness to be tested following severing damning court findings against her. Parliamentary spokesperson Molodomo Tapo says the date on which the panel will start its work is yet to be announced. 
The South African Communist Party has called for a probe into those responsible for what the SACP calls the collapse of the SABC. The Communist Party joined its alliance partners, the ANC, Sanko, as well as unions, the CW and the EFF, in supporting SABC employees during their lunchtime picket outside the SABC offices in Bloemfontein. Mojalifas Mango is SACP Free State Second Deputy Secretary. The Communist Party, you know, in the first day, we never support any retrenchment or dismissal of any work. We, completely, we are completely opposed to retrenchment. But we are saying those that are behind the collapse of SABC not to be able to run its affairs must be arrested. And Brazilian soccer great Pele is among, among those who have been paying tribute to Argentinian soccer star Diego Maradona. Maradona died of a heart attack yesterday. He was 60. Pele says, quote, I have lost a great friend and the world has lost a legend. Other leading lights in the football world include Cristiano Ronaldo, French star Frank Ribéry, and Cameroonian Roger Miller who have also paid homage to Maradona. Maradona is regarded by many as one of the greatest soccer stars of all time. He led Argentina to the World Cup in 1986 and also had a successful coaching career. A recap of our top story at the Sauer. The National Assembly Speaker Tandi Mudise has appointed three legal professionals to an independent panel to conduct a preliminary investigation into the fitness of public protector Busisu M. Kwebani to hold office. For SFM News, I'm Nom Sam Luli. Headlines at 5.30. Good morning. Thank you, Nomsa. That brings the time now to four minutes past five o'clock on this Thursday, the 26th of November, 2020. Jumbo Africa and a very warm welcome to First Take SA, the very first take of news and current affairs here at home and around the world as we update you on what's happening in business, sports, traffic and global headlines. Good morning, South Africa. I'm Elvis Presland coming up this morning. When they invaded land, they indicated that the list for the government uh, delivery is very long. They wouldn't mind being given the opportunity to build their own houses. We are responsive to the people. Government, government says soon people will be able to receive land to build their own houses and... Chair, I will elaborate on some of the methods that were used to win business, which was not quite savory. Johannesburg Mayor Jeff Makubu named as one of the individuals who receive irregular payments of up to 1.3 million rand in kickbacks for government tenders in the city. And inequality. Black women still receive the end of the stick and are even worse in a worse, worse position over two decades after democracy. Now, these are some of the stories that we will be focusing on, but you can engage with us on that number, 0891-10428. That's the number here in studio. You can also send us a voice note on this number, 
0614-692-3909. Now, both those numbers should be on speed dial on your phone. Send us a text message there. Alternatively, do so on the SMS line. That SMS line is 41391. It will cost you one rand fifty. But hey, you know what to do. If you like us on the Facebook page, you become part and parcel of our family. First take SA on SAFM. That's the Facebook page. You become part and parcel of us. And you can use the hashtag FirstTakeSA to send us a tweet. So what's the focus this morning? Well, it's a sad day for soccer today as the Brazilian soccer great, in fact, the Argentinian soccer great Diego Maradona died of a heart attack yesterday. He was regarded by many as one of the greatest soccer stars of all time, as you also heard in the news there. As a player, he went on to represent Boca Junior. Juniors, uh, Barcelona, Napoli and Sevilla. And most importantly, he led Argentina to the World Cup in 1986, where he scored that controversial goal dubbed the Hand of God. And of course, he also had a successful coaching career. And that's why we're asking you, what are your memories of the Argentinian soccer star Diego Maradona? And then... Top story this morning, a news report, a new report released by the humanitarian organization Oxfam has revealed that black women continue to suffer huge inequalities in South Africa. That report found that the average CEO, that's one CEO, takes home as much as 461 black women combined would earn. Black women also form part of the bottom 10% of earners in the country. So we're asking you, what are the biggest drivers behind inequalities between black women and her white counterpart in this country? Let me know that number again, 891 In studio, 082-692-3909. First Take SA, 5 to 6 a.m. It is now seven minutes past five o'clock if you just joined us. The managing director of ENS Forensics, uh, Stephen David Powell, has named Johannesburg Mayor Jeff Makubo as one of the individuals who receive irregular payments of up to 1.3 million rand from EOH Africa through his service providing company called or named uh, Mobilwani Consulting in 2012. Powell says that EOH Africa secured a number of payments from the city of Johannesburg without any work being delivered to the city. ENS Forensics uh, investigation also found widespread irregularities amounting to about 1.2 billion rand in deals between EOH and various government departments. Naledi Ngobo reports. Paul says a former EOH employee by the name of Patrick Makubedu was central in making irregular payments to Makubo's consulting company without any formal contracts in place with EOH Africa, formerly known as TSS Management Services. And we saw that Mr. Makubedu was integral to a number of relationships at the city of Johannesburg and he seemed to win a lot of business for EOH at the city of Johannesburg. Chair, I will elaborate on some of the methods that were used to win business, which was not quite savoury. Makubedu and Makubo are linked to a number of entities. Some of these entities financially transacted with one another, including Molawane, Mr. Makubo's consulting business. 
Powell revealed that numerous payments were made by EOH Africa into the accounts belonging to the ANC to fund some of the party's major events. Powell says Makuba wrote numerous emails to Makuberu requesting over 6 million rand in donations to be made to the ANC's accounts in 2015. ANC January 08 anniversary national event, transport accommodation and refreshments 250,000 rand, total 490,000 rand. Grand total is 6,180,000 rand. And then what follows are the ANC banking accounts. And following the bank account details, there's a note from Jeff Makubo. Your support is highly appreciated and we thank you in advance for your commitment and contribution towards strengthening our democracy. Powell told the commission that Makubedu also colluded with Makubo, who was MMC for finance in the city of Joburg at the time, in the awarding of an unsolicited IT contract which was irregularly awarded to EOH Africa. Powell is reading the award letter that Makubedu prepared for Makubo's signature. Your participation in this tender process is highly appreciated. Yours faithfully and it leaves a space for the signatory to sign. Chair, you will recall this was an unsolicited but there was no tender and it refers to an RFP at the top line. An RFP is a request for proposal. There was no request for proposal. Chair, and, and uh, I think it's just bizarre that Makubedu should be sending this to Mr. Makubo for him to sign and send back to himself. The commission will hear evidence from former Transnet Group treasurer Petulo Ramusibudi when proceedings continue on Thursday at 10 o'clock. I'm Nalidi Ngobo in Johannesburg. Government has announced that it will soon be reviving its old policy on housing that will allow people to receive vacant pieces of land to build their own houses as an alternative to the current system of building houses for them. It says this is in part because of the housing backlog and the recent land invasions during the lockdown in areas such as the Western Cape. Human Settlements Minister Lindiwe Susulu has told Parliament that her department is expediting the refined housing policy for approval by Cabinet. Abongwe Kabokana filed this report. The Minister of Human Settlements, Water and Sanitation, Lindiwe Susulu, admitted that there is a huge backlog in human settlements and the new idea of housing policy would serve as an alternative. This is an old policy uh, that we have used over a long period of time. There are pockets along, along uh, the N2, which is where we have allowed people land and they have built for themselves. What we're doing now is reviving that police building their own houses very carefully. Secondly, what made us take this decision was when we were confronted with the possibility that with the lockdown, our output would be much lower than we expected that it would be. And we had land invasions, notably in the Western Cape and in Gauteng as well. Part of the complaints I received from the people about the building of houses was that the list to get a house is always long and cumbersome, says the minister. Because it is the people's choice when we went to them, when they had when they invaded land, they indicated that the list for the government uh, delivery is very long. They wouldn't mind being given the opportunity to build their own houses. We are responsive to the people. But this approach does not mean government will stop building houses for the people. So we are providing for that particular policy as an alternative. We will continue building houses 
uh, in, in, uh, for our people, especially the indigent. Nothing takes one from the other. We've had these policies running alongside each other. However, we're giving now equal weight to them to see if we cannot have a greater yield from people doing it themselves. Already various local government authorities across the country have been approached in an attempt to request for the release of the available land. We have approached various municipalities to release land. Uh, we have actually had in-depth discussion with the municipality of, the, of Cape Town. We sat down with the entire um, municipal management and indicated to them what it is that we would like to do, just as a test case following the disaster at Pornwene in the Western Cape. And we believe that they have bought into that. What we are doing now is taking the whole package of, what, of the new policy to Cabinet. And of course, uh, that was the Minister of Human Settlements, Water and Sanitation, Lindiwe Sisulu, ending that report by reporter Bongwe Kabukana in Parliament. At SAFM Radio and at Elvis Preslin on Twitter. Now, remember, you can let me know what's on your mind this morning. We're asking you, what are the biggest drivers you think behind inequalities between black women and her white counterpart? And the second question is, your memories of the great Argentinian soccer star Diego Maradona. Let me know what's on your mind. Let me take a look at what you're telling me on the comment line as to what is on your mind. Unknown Comrade X on Twitter says, the hand of God. You remember that controversial goal that was scored against England? Um, yeah, where Argentina took the cup. And yeah, Elvis, the horrors of the week, says Fiona, includes rapists of two little daughters, still in government jobs. Timange, mother of two year of a two-year-old who failed to report the child's rape by its father to the authorities, says Fiona. Lungisani Dinga says, leave Mkwebani alone. What about the ANC thieves who are still in government? Are they fit for office? Asks Lungisani. I'm not sure if it relates to any of our topics this morning, but uh, Lungisani, but as I said, whatever's on your mind, let me know. You can also send us voice notes on this number, 082-692-3909. I'll listen to them as we continue this morning. Elvis Preslin on SAFM. The health minister, Dr. William Kiese, is expected to lead an interministerial task team in the Nelson Mandela Bay Metro today as part of an all-out campaign to curb the rapid spread of the coronavirus in the city. The Metro has in recent weeks become a COVID-19 hotspot and nearly half the new cases reported nationally coming from here, or from there rather. The focus will be on testing, tracing and awareness as non-compliance seems to be the biggest drivers behind the search. Our reporter Bongile Jankis filed this report. Nelson Mandela Bay is receiving attention on the highest level. The lack of compliance to regulations, the red flag, a change in human behavior is seen as key to halt the surge in infections in the bay. Residents in the metro have also witnessed the high level of non-compliance. I would like the minister to at least put some authorities, like maybe an hour, like they must come and check how the situation is with heavens, you see, and then just to check up on people because people, they don't follow as much as we think they will do, but they don't. Residents also want to see action against transgressors. I think to a large degree we need uh, civic obedience where residents like myself and others must take the responsibility in our hands to social distance, 
to avoid parties or any big events and also to assist each other during a time of need. The interministerial team will meet with city stakeholders and with community structures and traditional leaders as part of the efforts to halt the rapid spread of the virus in the city and the province. Dr. Mkiza will be joined by his Cocta and Social Development counterparts, Dr. Nkosazana Zamini Zuma and Lindy Wezulu. The ministers will also spearhead some of the awareness and compliance campaigns. I'm Abongile Yankees in Port Elizabeth. Now, remember that you can let me know what's on your mind on that number, 891 uh, You can also send us uh, those comments uh, to the voice note number, 082-692-3909. Also send us an SMS on 41391. And uh, you can also do so on the Facebook page as well as on the Twitter handle. Uh, two questions for you. The man that represented Napoli, Sevilla, and uh, most importantly, who led Argentina to the World Cup in 1986, where he scored that controversial goal dubbed the Hand of God. Your memories of the Argentinian soccer star, Diego Maradona. And of course, second question, the biggest drivers. What do you think are those drivers behind inequality here in South Africa between black women and her white counterpart. Uh, those are the questions. Let me take a look uh, what you are telling me on the Facebook page, on the Twitter handle, and of course you can do so also on the SMS. Now, looking at your flight update, there are no flight updates this morning. The access system uh, that we normally use uh, to get updates from is down. It seems like we can't get any update, but let's find out what's happening on the roads with Robert. SAFM, guiding you through the rush hour traffic. A very good morning. It's been a busy uh, night last night on the N4 corridor through Pumalunga and still two crash scenes to be recovered. One around Vanderfontein, in fact, between the Alzu Petroport and the Carolina exit at Vanderfontein. There's a truck crash there, so an impact both sides. And if you're coming from um, Pumalunga's um, uh, Nelspray Mbombella and driving west, there is a crash near the Puma Garage just coming through to Alkmaar. Uh, recovery of that still underway as well. So it's likely to be a slowdown of traffic. No uh, incidents reported between Joburg and Durban. In the N3 corridor is clear. Uh, Mopapani trains running this morning. They're already uh, departing from uh, the Mopapani area en route towards Pretoria Central. Uh, good news, the Lorella train service east of Joburg was reinstated yesterday. Managed to secure a locomotive or fix the one that was uh, broken. Uh, the Lorella train service runs through Tembisa down to Ilansfontein was reinstated uh, late yesterday afternoon. And if you're driving around the Western Cape, the N2 around Rafia Sondaren, there's a lot of uh, roadworks going through towards Cape Town as you come through Rafia Sondaren. But there's also a big truck that uh, turned over last night just west of Rafia Sondaret. There may still be some uh, recovery operations around that. If you're going slowly out that way, that would probably be that. That or the roadworks. With your traffic update for SABC News, I'm Rob Byrne. SAFM. I went very well with the top six. I went very well with Didi Mabusa. I went very well with Paul Masati. I work very well with Brother Manta. I work very well with Jesse Chua. I work very well with President. No, I do work very well. Leave our differences. 
the decisions we take are collective decisions. SAFM leading the conversation. Here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 104.6 FM in Kimberley. 5.22. A new report released by humanitarian organization Oxfam has revealed that black women continue to suffer huge inequalities in South Africa. The report titled Reclaiming Power, Women's Work and Income Inequality in South Africa has found that the average CEO takes home as much as 461 black women combined that they would earn. They also form part of the bottom 10% of earners in the country, while on average a black woman earns a quarter of her white counterpart. To tell us more about this, we're joined on the line by the Project Officer for Economic Justice at Oxfam, Vuyukazi Futsani. A very good morning to you and welcome. Um, morning, Alfred. Thanks for having me. Ms. Fuchani, please take us through some of the key findings of this report and tell us more about the inequalities that the report highlights. All right. Um, as you've mentioned, um, one of the glaring inequalities is, um, you know, the the way that it's racialized and the way that it's gendered in the sense that um, the report has found that black women suffer the most from inequality in our country and particularly in comparison to white males. Um, and then also another thing that um, the report has found that highlights is the fact that most people's income and wealth levels are determined at birth. So if you don't have the right start in life, adequate shelter, access to education, um, access to proper health care, then most likely you are end up to you are, then you're most likely to end up living in poverty. So there's kind of a generational burden when it comes to poverty and inequality that continues to persist. And I think that's one of the reasons why South Africa continues to be one of the the most unequal societies in the world. And also another thing that the report has done is to highlight the issue of unpaid care work. So that is the work that is done um, in households, childcare, um, domestic responsibilities that enable people to be able to partake in the formal economy, if you would say. Mm-hmm. So, and in the report, we found that um, unpaid care work is estimated to be at about 14% of our GDP, and that is about 51 billion annually. Mm-hmm. And this work is mostly done by black women. And if this work was not done, then the economy would not function in the way that it, it functions, and it continues to be overlooked. And the people who do it aren't recognized for doing it and are underpaid or mm-hmm. not paid at all for doing it. Now, the fact that black women in South Africa is at the bottom of the labor market and overall in the economy is not a new phenomenon. But yes. are they being left further behind? And is that gap widening with time? Um, the gap is widening, um, the inequality gap, because every year and even um, Besides the research that we've done, um, every year when there are reports released on inequality in South Africa, um, it continues to grow. Even with the poverty statistics, I think there was a report that was launched about three years ago um, by Stats SA that was looking at poverty in South Africa. 
um, poverty had grown and the people who were most affected by poverty were black women. Um, so it's it's the same. So inequality and poverty are two sides of the same coin. So we kind of see the same thing um, playing out. And it's because um, the system isn't built to cater or to actually reduce um the poverty and, and, and inequality gaps for these particular groups of people. Mm-hmm. Now, we're asking our listeners this morning, but I'd like to ask you, what do you think are some of the biggest driving factors then behind these inequalities? Come again? What are the biggest drivers or the factors behind these inequalities that we've seen here in South Africa relating okay. to black women? Oh, okay. So some of the biggest <clears throat> drivers is the fact that, um, one, as I said earlier, if you aren't, if you don't have access um, to socioeconomic access to things like proper education, um, proper health care, and adequate shelter, you will most likely end up poor. Mm-hmm. So if you are born poor, you most likely end up poor. Mm-hmm. If there aren't enough social protection mechanisms to ensure or to enable you to be able to um, move away from poverty and inequality, then you'll be stuck in a trap. And most of these things are systematic. We don't have adequate um, we don't have adequate policies that address this. We don't have gender responsive budgeting, for instance. We don't have adequate universal basic income, so universal social protection that would enable people to be able to sort of have um, the means or the roots or the resources to lift themselves out of poverty. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, you know, political um, and state capture things yeah. that um, steal away resources from mm-hmm. from from the national budget and the country's resources. So it's it's in a combination of things, and I think above and beyond, we we have policies that fail. Mm-hmm. to specifically recognize um, the, the intersectionalities yes. um, of poverty and inequality. So, so what are then some of the recommendations coming out of the report and, and how should they be implemented? So some of, some of the um, recommend, recommendations coming out of the report would be one to have um, a living and a minimum wage and also to have... And what is that amount of that minimum wage? And... Sorry? The minimum wage. What is that amount? Because we've got not, a current not, one. Not a, not, a, not a minimum wage, um, a living wage. A living wage. So the, the jury is still out on what exactly a living wage would be. So um, I think, sorry, the specific <laughs> number is in the report. It's just too early in the morning for me to go through it. No, it's fine. But, but having a living wage and also, more importantly, um, to have a cap on on maximum incomes, because what you'll find is that the highest paid employee or highest paid CEO in a company will be making as much as like one person makes in a whole year, in a month, Mm. right? So you see kind of the disparities and the gaps between that. So we need to be able to cap maximum incomes in order to ensure that there's even a level um, distribution. And we need to also have, as I alluded to, before um, gender responsive budgeting. So we need to be able to, when the budgeting is done, it needs to be able to respond and cater to um, specifically certain groups of people to ensure that um, not that the resources are distributed equally, but they're distributed equitably as well. All right. right? 
And also, as I mentioned, I think social protection is a big thing. Um, so we would recommend the universal basic income, amongst other things. So, I mean, I think COVID has shown us, I think, the importance of social protection. Many um, um, organizations, particularly in civil society, have been calling for, you know, comprehensive social protection because in South Africa there's a gap. Between 18 and 59 years old, 